What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT. If you're new, leave a like, comment, and subscribe. We go live every day at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Got a really exciting episode for you guys. We're going to be discussing which second-year quarterback will have the best season. Can the Seattle Seahawks dethrone the 49ers for the NFC West this year? Are the Baltimore Ravens overrated? And why you shouldn't sleep on the Houston Texans. If you haven't already, make sure that you check out the JT Sports Podcast available on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. If you can't listen to the whole episode in its entirety or you're listening to this late after it premieres, make sure that you go ahead, check us out on all podcasting platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, you can find the JT Sports Podcast. Leave us with a five-star review if you enjoy. Let's start off with this. I was on Instagram earlier today, and the 33rd team, really good platform. They have some of the best analysis that you're going to find when it comes to the NFL. They posted this on their Instagram page. They asked, which second-year quarterback will have the best 2023 season? You got Brock Purdy, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, and Kenny Pickett. I'm going to have to say Sam Howell. And that may sound a little bit crazy to you guys. And no, I'm not high. You see my eyes. They're perfectly white. They're not red. I'm not drunk. I strongly believe that Sam Howell is going to have a fantastic season. The Washington Commanders, they have Eric Bieniemy as their new offensive coordinator. And they got a really good supporting cast around Sam Howell. You have Brian Robinson, who was one of the best rookie running backs last year. You also have Antonio Gibson at wide receiver. You have Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, a.k.a. Mr. Scary Terry. Then you have Jahan Dotson, who, like Brian Robinson, was also one of the best rookies at his position last year. And if Jahan Dotson never got injured, he probably would have had just as a productive season as Garrett Wilson. And for Sam Howell... He doesn't have as much experience as the other guys listed here, such as Purdy, Ritter, and Pickett. But in the small sample size that we saw from Sam Howell when he led the Commanders to their win over the Dallas Cowboys, he looked pretty solid. And not only that, but in the preseason, this dude was phenomenal. And going into this year, now that he's going to have a really good offensive coordinator and the enemy calling the plays, he's going to have a really good team around him. There's no reason why Sam Howell should have a disappointing season. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sam Howell ends up being in the MVP discussion. This is somebody who most definitely can be considered a dark horse MVP candidate. With how Washington played last year, they nearly made it to the playoffs. They went 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, and this is with them having not-so-great quarterback play. They started Carson Wentz. You had Taylor Heineke, who came in and gave them a spark for a brief period of last year. But Sam Howell, this is somebody who is super talented. He was drafted in the later portion of the draft that he came out in, but it doesn't mean the guy is a bum and he's a scrub. Like prior to his final season at the University of North Carolina, him and Spencer Rattler were projected to be the first and second overall selections. Then 
the season happened and UNC didn't really perform all that well, but it wasn't because of Sam Howell. It was more due to the fact that North Carolina, their team kind of regressed. They lost a lot of good players to the draft prior to the start of that year. And Sam Howell and UNC, they just didn't really perform up to expectation. But Sam Howell has all the talent to be the franchise quarterback for the Washington Commanders moving forward. And if Eric Bieniemy is as good of a coach that many people make him out to be, there's no reason why Sam Howell shouldn't have a really good 2023 campaign. So that's who I think is going to have the best season out of the second-year quarterbacks that we have on the screen right now. Some people are probably going to say Kenny Pickett. And you definitely can make the argument for Kenny Pickett. The Steelers have a really good roster as well. You got George Pickens. You got Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris. And they also have improved the offensive line, which Steelers fans are nicknaming it the Pickett Fence. But for Sam Howell, though, I just think that his offensive coordinator being the enemy is going to give him such a boost compared to Kenny Pickett, who has to deal with Matt Canada as his offensive coordinator. And Matt Canada did improve slightly throughout last year, but he still had a lot of head scratching play calling at times. Brock Purdy. We don't really know how good he's going to be coming off that injury that he suffered to his elbow. And even then, there may be a strong chance that Trey Lance may end up becoming the starting quarterback sometime throughout this upcoming season, depending on how Brock Purdy performs. Now, I'm a big believer in Brock Purdy, but when it comes to this conversation, I'm going to have to give it to Sam Howell. Now, Desmond Ritter, I'm not really the biggest fan of Desmond Ritter out of all of these three quarterbacks that we have on the screen. I think Desmond Ritter probably was the worst out of them. And when it comes to Desmond Ritter, the Falcons do have a solid supporting cast around him, but I'm just not a big fan of what I saw out of him last year. I think he was a little bit below average at best, and he has a lot of improvement that he needs to make compared to the other three quarterbacks that he's mentioned with on this graphic. But I believe Sam Howell is going to be the best second-year quarterback out of all of these guys that we have on screen. It may be a little bit you know, surprising to some of you guys, but Sam Howell, with the situation that he's in, he may not have as talented as a team that a guy like Brock Purdy may have, but with the play calling, with the wide receivers and having the run game to back him up, plus he's going to have an amazing defense. I think Sam Howell has everything at his disposal to be the best second-year quarterback in 2023. Can the Seattle Seahawks dethrone the 49ers for the NFC West in 2023 and I don't think enough people are having this conversation I think a lot of people are penciling in the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles for a rematch in the NFC championship this year but Seattle they have the most talented young roster in the NFL going into this year I mean they went absolutely berserk and this past year's NFL draft, they got Devon Weatherspoon, they got Zach Charbonnet, they also got Kenny McIntosh out of the University of Georgia. And going through Seattle's roster, I mean, they're stacked at nearly every single position. 
receiver. You draft Jackson Smith and the Jigba out of Ohio State. This guy shredded Utah in the freaking Rose Bowl. This man was a man amongst boys every time he suited up for the Buckeyes. And Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and a couple of other Ohio State wide receivers even said that he was better than what they were. And you put him on Seattle. He's going to be playing the slot. And you're going to have him playing alongside DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett with Geno Smith throwing him the football. This is one of the most explosive offenses going into this season. And Geno Smith, you know, they rolled him off, but he didn't write back. Well, he's going to be riding off a lot of doubters this year who believe that he may not be good enough to take Seattle to the Super Bowl. And when you look at Geno Smith, This was somebody who threw 30 touchdowns to only 11 interceptions. He was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL last season. And you think about San Francisco's quarterback situation right now. I mean, obviously, it's not in a bad state. We already know that Kyle Shanahan has the ability to elevate the play of any quarterback that he puts underneath center. But Geno Smith is better than any quarterback that the 49ers are going to be trotting out there this season. So you already have to give the advantage in the quarterback department to Seattle. And then think about the running back position. Yeah, the 49ers have Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, but the Seattle Seahawks have Kenneth Walker who was the best rookie running back last year, over a 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, and he has rookie Zach Charbonnet, who's also going to be splitting carries with him, who also is a pretty good back coming out of UCLA. He can catch the ball well. He also is a really tough physical runner. He reminds me a lot of... who? What's his name for the Arizona Cardinals? James Conner. That's who Zach Charbonnet reminds me of. And this offensive line is going to be one of the best in the NFL this year. You got to remember that last year, Seattle started two rookie offensive tackles, and they performed at a really high level. You got Charles Cross. You got right tackle Abraham Lucas. And they have a center that they drafted in Alu Atemi out of Michigan. I expect him to be competing for that starting spot with Evan Brown. If he ends up winning that thing, I think he can end up being the best rookie center in the NFL this season. For their defense, I mean, Seattle is absolutely stacked at nearly every position on the defensive side of football. You have pass rushers, Uchenna Nwosu, Daryl Taylor. Both of those guys had nine and a half sacks each. Boye Monfe could end up being another guy who could have a breakout season. He had a really good rookie season. Jordan Brooks had... Probably the best season of his career last year. You bring back B-Wags, which he never should have left the building in the first place. And this secondary should take some tremendous steps this upcoming season. You get my guy, Devin Witherspoon, out of Illinois. He was my number one ranked cornerback coming out of this past year's draft. Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, both of those guys had really impressive rookie seasons, especially Tariq Woolen. There are many Seahawks fans that will fight you and say that Tariq Woolen was better than Sauce Gardner. And I'm not going to disagree with any of you guys. I'm just going to say I, I like Sauce a little bit more than I like Tariq. But I don't think Tyreek Woolen is too far off. This guy is an incredible corner. He got Con- Quandre Diggs. And maybe, potentially, we can see Jamal Adams suit up eventually and play for Seattle sometime this upcoming season. So for Seattle, this roster, not only is it talented, 
but they have a lot of depth at nearly every position. That's something that you can't say about too many teams in the NFL. A lot of teams are pretty top-heavy. You have your starters. You may have a quality backup or two, but that's about it. But for Seattle, it seems like these guys are just stacking talent on top of talent on top of talent. Like, they got Devin Bush, who they signed in free agency, and he may not even start this year for them. San Francisco, their roster is really good. But at wide receiver, I think that the Seattle Seahawks are better with the addition of Jackson Smith and the Jigba. You do have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. We know what those guys bring to the table. Your offensive line is pretty good. You're going to have Brock Purdy potentially starting at quarterback or Trey Lance. It doesn't really matter who the 49ers put back there at QB. It seems like they get good quarterback play regardless. But I just think that Seattle right now going into this year, has the upper hand on San Fran. And many 49ers fans may get a little bit offended with that, but there's no way you can look at Seattle's roster right now and think about what they did last season and not say they have a legitimate chance of being able to take away this division. I mean, the Rams, they don't really look all that great. Arizona isn't going to be good this year. So this division mainly is going to come down to Seattle and San Fran. And if you were to ask me to make a prediction right now, today, who I think is winning the West, I think it's going to be Seattle. Seattle has a a talented team that last year was really young. They had a lot of rookies starting. There were a lot of inexperienced guys who were in there. And they had some really good moments, but they also had a stretch late in the season where they kind of went cold, but they still found a way to sneak into the postseason. But this team this year, you're going to have those rookies last year who now are going to be going into their second year. You're going to have way more experience. You're going to have way more talent. Seattle probably should be getting mentioned in that Super Bowl conversation. And when you think about teams who have the opportunity to make it out of the NFC, Seattle isn't really a popular team that many people mention. Most of the teams that people think about are either the Eagles or the 49ers, but Seattle, their roster is just as good. And if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan, you're probably saying, well, JT, what about our defense? I mean, we got defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, one of the best defensive minds in the game. Yeah, your defense still is going to be amongst the best despite losing the Miko Ryans. You add Javon Hargrave in free agency to an already stout defensive line with Bosa, Arik Armstead. You're going to have Fred Warner at linebacker. Your secondary still is going to be really fantastic. Like, San Francisco's defense is still going to be elite. It's still going to be really good. And you think about how Seattle's defense performed at times. It was pretty inconsistent. But I think this year, Seattle is going to take a major step in improvement When it comes to their defense, I expect their run defense to be really good. Their pass rush should be amongst the best in the NFL. They have plenty of guys who can get after the passer. They also have guys on the bench who are going to be able to come in and be good situational pass rushers for the Seahawks. I think that for the 49ers, yes, you do have one of the best rosters in the NFL, but I think Seattle's roster at this moment is more talented because they have more depth at every single position. I mean, if we were to go position by position right now, Seattle would 
be better than the San Francisco 49ers at a handful of them. Like quarterback, Seattle. Running back, San Francisco. Offensive line, I'm going with Seattle. Wide receiver, Seattle. Tight end, okay, you can go with the 49ers, even though I think Noah Fan and Will Disley are pretty good. But when you have George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, you have to go ahead and go with the 49ers. On defense, the defensive line, I'm going to give it to San Fran. Linebacker, the 49ers have it. Cornerback, the secondary, I'm going to give it to Seattle. I think Kobe Bryant's going to have a huge year going into his second season. You're going to have Tariq Woolen, who already has established himself as one of the best up-and-coming cornerbacks in the league. You're going to have Quandre Diggs and Jamar Adams when he gets healthy. Like, the Seattle Seahawks have a good enough roster not only to be able to dethrone the 49ers and take the NFC West crown this year, but they also need to get a little bit more recognition when it comes to them being in the Super Bowl conversation. Don't be surprised if you see a Philadelphia Eagles versus Seattle Seahawks NFC Conference Championship this year. This Seahawks team deserves a little bit more recognition and a little bit more praise. Like, some of you guys think, like, Seattle's just going to be a team that makes it to the playoff. They may win a playoff game and then lose in the divisional round, but this team is good enough to win the Super Bowl. This is a really stacked team. They already have talent at every single position amongst their starters, but not just that, they have tons of depth. If one guy gets injured, it doesn't matter because they're going to have another guy who can step in and perform at a high level also. The Seattle Seahawks most definitely have a really strong chance to dethrone the 49ers for the NFC West in 2023. Some of you guys may disagree with that, but I'm going to pick the Seattle Seahawks to win the West this upcoming season. Now, I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter bashing the Baltimore Ravens, calling the Baltimore Ravens overrated. People are saying, I don't get why the Ravens are getting all this praise. Like, Lamar Jackson isn't a good passer of the football. They don't really have a great offense. And I don't know how many times I have to reiterate this, but the Ravens offense is going to be way different this season than what it was last year. If you don't know, now you know. Hey, Baltimore has a new offensive coordinator. His name is Todd Munkin. And I was going back and forth with one of the homies a couple of days ago. And I was telling him how improved this Ravens offense is going to be with Todd Munkin. He was like, damn, JT, like you got a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in Todd Munkin. Like, duh, did you not see what he did at Georgia? He helped lead Georgia's offense to one of the best in college football and also helped lead that Bulldogs program to two back-to-back national championships with Stetson Bennett, who was a walk-on QB. And then he said, man, JT, you got to get out of my face with that bull crap, man. This dude coached in college. He ain't got no NFL experience. Yes, he does have NFL experience. He was the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers during Derrick Cutter's final season there. And they had the NFL's best passing offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who at one point was kind of viewed as an MVP candidate. You remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick was going off early during Derek Cutter's final season and everybody started giving him the nickname Ryan Fitz Magic and then the magic kind of ran out and then Jameis Winston came in and Jameis Winston did what Jameis Winston does. He comes in, he throws a good amount of touchdowns but also a lot of picks. But despite that, 
Todd Monken still led the Buccaneers to having one of the NFL's best passing attacks that season. Then he went to Cleveland, and although he didn't call plays in Cleveland and things didn't really work out, I mean, I don't think he was the reason why the Brown season went the way it did. And then he goes to Georgia, and he helps lead them to two national championships, calling plays for one of college football's best offense with a walk-on quarterback in Stetson Bennett. And you give Todd Munkin a guy like Lamar Jackson, that quarterback, Lamar Jackson's potential is fully going to be on lock this year. Okay, like Greg Roman did a really good job at developing Lamar Jackson. All right, like Greg Roman's system fit Lamar Jackson's skill set. But eventually, Lamar Jackson reached a point where he kind of outgrew Greg Roman. You ever watch Star Wars and you remember how Obi-Wan Kenobi trained Anakin and then Anakin ended up becoming one of the strongest Jedis ever and then he turned over to the dark side and then when they finally met up, for their big encounter, I forgot which Star Wars movie it was, and Darth Vader was like, now I'm the master, or something like that. That's kind of what this situation was with Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman. Plus, Greg Roman, for all you guys who say Lamar Jackson isn't good throwing the football, a large reason for why Lamar Jackson struggled throwing the football effectively in the postseason was because Greg Roman's passing concepts were too elementary. If you go and you watch the All-22 film of all of Baltimore's games where Greg Roman was calling the plays, the passing combinations that he had, the receivers running with their routes, were really basic. And not just that, but he's more so somebody who specializes in getting the most out of the run game. Todd Munkin is a more balanced offensive coordinator. This is somebody who's going to be way more pass heavy. And Lamar Jackson even made the joke during his presser of maybe he ends up throwing for 6,000 yards this season. You want to know why? Because not only does he have an offensive coordinator who's going to improve the passing game, but you also give Lamar Jackson some weapons at receiver. Finally, like for how many years? Have people bash Lamar Jackson and say he's not a good passer, he's not a good thrower of the football, but yet the only reliable option he really had was Mark Andrews. You look at this Ravens wide receiving core, you bring in Odell Beckham Jr., as long as brother can stay healthy, he's going to end up producing at a high level for the Ravens. OBJ is probably the most talented wide receiver that the Baltimore Ravens have had and since Steve Smith. And then you have Zay Flowers, who you drafted in the first round, who was my number one ranked receiver coming out. You also have Rashad Bateman, who has shown flashes at times. And you still have Mark Andrews. We can't forget about Isaiah Likely. We know what Baltimore does in the run game. Like, the Ravens offense is going to be amongst the best in the NFL. Plus, the defense already was top 10 last season. This defense carried Baltimore throughout last year when Lamar Jackson got injured. There's no reason why anybody should be calling the Baltimore Ravens overrated. Like, you mean to tell me that you don't think the Ravens have one of the best rosters in the NFL? I mean, if you don't think the Ravens roster is amongst the top 10 best in the league, I think you're kind of a little bit biased. You may be a Steelers fan. You may be a Bengals fan. You may be a Browns fan if some of y'all are bold enough to come out and claim you're a Browns fan. But the Baltimore Ravens, and this is coming from a Steelers fan, this is probably 
the best opportunity they have at winning a Super Bowl in recent memory. This team is good enough to go on the road and beat Joe Burrow in the playoffs or beat Patrick Mahomes in the Arrowhead. You keep trying to say, well, JT, Lamar Jackson has stroked in the playoffs. That's why the Ravens are overrated because he never gets it done. Like, bruh, there's always a first time for everything. I'm tired of lecturing you guys about how history doesn't dictate future outcomes. That's like telling me just because I'm not good at math, I'm never going to pass a math test. You never know. Nobody expected the Cincinnati Bengals to make it to the Super Bowl in Joe Burrow's second season. Everybody had them missing the playoffs. Nobody expected the Browns to make it to the playoffs in 2020. I mean, there's always a first time for everything. If you're trying to say that the Ravens are overrated because Lamar Jackson has struggled in the playoffs in the past, you have a very weak argument. And I hate arguing with people who use history as their main talking points. Like, that's bull. That's bull. You can't use history as argument for why the Ravens are overrated if you're going to say the Ravens are overrated say well JT their offensive line may not be as good as the Steelers the Browns or the Bengals that's understandable but you still have to take into account Lamar Jackson's mobility like there's really no argument that you can use for calling the Baltimore Ravens overrated other than you're a super you're a super fan of your team, and you just don't want to give credit where credit is due. Like, bro, if I can put my fan base, if I can put my fandom aside, and I can put me being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan aside and admit that the Ravens have a Super Bowl caliber roster, so can you. Like, I promise to God, being a fan of your favorite team is not that serious. When you see a team that has a really good roster, that has a really good coaching staff, you have to give credit where credit is due. Some of you guys just are drinking too much of that haterade right now. You need to flush that haterade out your system, man. It's not good for you. It's going to clog up your chest and it's going to hurt your lungs. Take a break. Take a deep breath. Go get a drink of water and come back and please tell me that the Ravens are overrated. Because they're not. I think they are properly rated. If you think that the Baltimore Ravens have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl this year, you're not tripping. I mean, this is one of the best Ravens teams that we've seen in recent memory. They don't really have too many question marks. They don't have too many concerns. Like, why are people still trying to doubt Lamar Jackson? This guy is a former MVP, uh, unanimous MVP at that. This is somebody who has won a playoff game. He may not have a good playoff record, but I don't think we've seen Lamar Jackson playing in no playoff games to say this guy's a choke artist. Lamar Jackson, I think we can all agree, is amongst the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he a top five QB? That depends on who you're asking, but he most definitely is a top 10 QB, and he most definitely has the label of being an elite quarterback that can elevate your team. This is somebody who's won the majority of his games as a starter since he first took over the starting range from Joe Flacco way back in his rookie season, and he carried them boys all the way to the postseason. Like, the main reason why Coach Harbaugh still has a job is mainly due to Lamar Jackson. And not enough people talk about that. When Lamar Jackson went into his rookie season, Coach Harbaugh was on the hot seat. And I believe this is John Harbaugh. I get the Jim Harbaugh and the John Harbaugh mixed up, but I believe this is John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh was on the hot seat. There were many Ravens fans who wanted this dude out of Baltimore. 
And then when Joe Flacco went down, Lamar comes in, he turns the Ravens season around, he goes 6-1 and one and takes them to the postseason and saves John Harbaugh's job. Like, why are we trying to discredit Lamar Jackson? Like, why are we trying to make it seem like Lamar Jackson still has to prove himself? Doesn't every quarterback still have to prove themselves outside of Patrick Mahomes? Joe Burrow still has to prove that he can win the Super Bowl in Cincinnati. Trevor Lawrence has to prove himself like, bro, if you are somebody who is still doubting Lamar Jackson, you got to quit it. Okay, you, you got to quit it. This guy is not Kirk Cousins. He's not Dak Prescott. This is somebody who can elevate your team. And now that he has the weapons surrounding him, like a Zay Flowers or OBJ, Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, there's no more excuses for Lamar Jackson to not get it done in the postseason. He has a true play caller on the offensive side of the football that's going to specialize in elevating the passing game. Todd Munkin is going to elevate Lamar Jackson. He's going to unlock Lamar Jackson's full potential. Like, I don't get how some of you guys can call the Baltimore Ravens overrated. This team is far from overrated. This team is legitimately a true Super Bowl contender. There is a very strong chance that we can see the Baltimore Ravens making it to the AFC Championship game and beating Kansas City. Now, don't ask me, well, JT, if you're so confident... Tell me right now that the Ravens are going to make it to the AFC Championship game. Don't do that to me, bro. Please don't make me choose between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow because I'm just going to tell you I don't know. I just got to see. You know I love me some Lamar Jackson. You guys know I've been rooting for Lamar Jackson ever since he first got drafted. Like, I literally made a video after he got drafted saying how Lamar Jackson was going to succeed and evolutionize the quarterback position. And you guys know I love me some Joe Burrow. Come on, man. Like, the only thing we got to question about Lamar Jackson is his health. Can he stay healthy? That's about it. But when it comes to Lamar Jackson and his performance and can he get it done in the postseason, I'm pretty confident he can when he has this good of a receiving core and a great defense supporting him. Like, we got to stop questioning Lamar Jackson. Like, why do people make it seem like Lamar Jackson is so unproven? It really pisses me off sometimes, man. Like, I get it. Lamar Jackson hasn't won a playoff game. But this is the first time for everything. You guys make it seem like Lamar Jackson has been in the NFL for 10 seasons. And all he's done is collapse or fold in a postseason. Like, come on. This team is not overrated. If you think that the Ravens are overrated, you're either a biased fan or you're just a Lamar Jackson hater. Like I said, get some of that head rate out your system, drink some water, all that hating ain't good for you, man. Give credit where credit is due. This is a really good roster. This is a Super Bowl caliber team that the Ravens are bringing in to the 2023 NFL season. Now, the last thing I want to talk about are the Houston Texans, man. A lot of you guys are sleeping on the Houston Texans, but it's okay. It's okay because CJ Stroud and D'Amico Ryans, they're going to wake y'all up this season. I watched a couple of record predictions prior to starting this episode, right? And there's only one or two people who had the Texans winning more than six games this season. And, and if you talk to a lot of Texans fans right now, a good amount of the fan base expects to win somewhere between seven to eight games this year. And a lot of people call Texans fans delusional for having those expectations. But if you really look at Houston's roster... 
and what D'Amico Ryans has going into this season, I think their expectations are pretty fair. And I think they have a small chance of being able to win the AFC. And before you say, oh, JT, you tripping hard, man. Remember, I'm the same person who came out on this platform last year and said that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to win the AFC South. Did I? Did I not? And all you guys said I was tripping then, and guess what happened? The Jaguars won the AFC South. You see, like, a lot of you guys really don't take the time to look into the young assets that the Houston Texans have. Derek Stanley didn't really have a great rookie season because Lovey Smith hold him, held him back. You got D'Amico Ryans, one of the best defensive minds in the game. He's going to be able to elevate Derek Stingley. Then, you also have Jalen Petrie. Like, how many of you guys knew that Jalen Petrie was one of the best safeties in the NFL last year? Raise your hand. Put your hand down because most of y'all are lying. Unless you're a Houston Texans fan, I doubt most of you guys knew how good Jalen Petrie was. I even made a video about Jalen Petrie last year. This guy led Houston and tackles, and interceptions. Do you know how hard that is to do as a safety, bro? This dude is like the second coming of prime Tyran Matthew, prime Honey Badger. You got Jalen Petrie, you signed Jimmy Ward in free agency. You're going to have Derek Stingley, who's going to have a really good second season under D'Amico Ryan. So you're going to have Steven Nelson at that second cornerback spot. Your defensive line still has a little bit of improvement that it has to make. This wasn't a team that was good at stopping the run last year, but you were able to bring in Sheldon Rankins, who's going to improve that run defense. You got a really solid tandem of pass rushers. You're going to have Will Anderson, who you traded back up the draft with Arizona third overall. Even though he is changing positions, I'm eager to see how that position change is going to affect them. But I still think this is somebody who be who should be a nine-sack guy. You have Jonathan Grenard, who in 2021, this was somebody who had eight sacks. Now, last year, he battled with some injuries. And even when he was on the field, he wasn't all that great. I'm just going to blame that on Lovey Smith, just like how we can blame everything else that went wrong for Houston last year on Lovey Smith because they didn't get the number one overall pick. So I'm just going to blame his lackluster 2022 campaign on Lovey Smith. I expect this guy to bounce back in a strong way. You also have some pretty good veterans behind him. Okay, this Texans defense is going to be really good under the Miko Ryans. I expect this to be a top 10 unit this year. That's how good I believe this Texans defense is going to be. Now, offensively, Outside of C.J. Stroud, who I believe is going to be just as good as Bryce Young, you have some question marks when it comes to the wide receiver position. Now, I don't think that Houston's wide receiver position is in a completely bad situation. It's just that you have a lot of unproven talent in this wide receiver room. Nico Collins still has to prove himself. Okay, he's shown flashes at times, but he's not consistent. You got Robert Woods, who pretty much is on the last leg of his career. He's pretty much an old head. You're going to have John Mechie, who didn't even get to play last year because he was battling, what, he had Hopkins lymphoma or something like that? I don't remember what it was, but I know he had some former cancer that kept him from playing last season. He's coming back. You got my guy, rookie wide receiver Tank Dell out of Houston, who I consider to be one of the best route runners coming out of this year's draft class. I think that Tank Dell is going to be the next coming of Wells Walker. I think he's just going to be the milk chocolate version of Wells Walker. You got Xavier Hutchinson. How, 
Do you know how good Xavier Hutchinson was out of Iowa State? I mean, this dude was a damn demon. He reminds me a lot of George Pickens, but way more agile and way more explosive than George Pickens. Like, the Houston Texans, although they have an unproven wide receiver room, they have a lot of potential and a lot of talent. And then their offensive line, like, some of you guys probably don't know this, but their offensive tackles, Larmy Tunsil and Titus Howard, they gave up a combined total of, what, four or five sacks? And I think Lormie Tunsil only gave up one. And I think Titus Howard only gave up like three or four. That's really good. Like, come on, man. Like, you guys are sleeping on the Houston Texans, dog. Like, you guys really are. They had Damian Pierce, man. I can keep going on with the list of great young studs that they have on this team, man. Like, it's good. I know I'm going to get a little bit of pushback for this take. But it's okay because the Houston Texans, they're going to wake y'all up. This team right now is probably the second most talented team in this division. Indianapolis, you guys know I love my guy Anthony Richardson. I think Anthony Richardson is going to prove a lot of y'all wrong, and he's going to end up having a really electric rookie season. But their roster still overall isn't that good. So they're not going to be all that great. They're probably going to be a four, five-win team, but it's going to be fun to watch them because of Anthony Richardson. The Tennessee Titans, I think they're on the... On the decline, like, these boys literally went up to their best player and asked him to take a pay cut. And Kevin Byard, despite the fact that Kevin Byard was one of the best safeties in the NFL last year, like, these boys drafted Will Levis. Will freaking Levis, bruh. Their offensive coordinator got arrested for a DUI. And yet, we want to put all the blame on Malik Willis when their offensive coordinator put him in a situation to fail, like... The Tennessee Titans are doing nothing but going downwards, bro. And even though I do like Mike Vrabel, I don't think he's going to be... I don't think the Titans are going to be bad enough under Coach Vrabel to have one of the worst records in the league. But when it comes to determining who's going to be the second best team in this division, potentially behind Jacksonville, I'm going with the Houston Texans. And I think there's a small chance that the Houston Texans can win this division. Jacksonville's defense... Wasn't that good last year, although their defense showed up big time in the second half of games. Overall, their defense still underperformed at times. And Jacksonville last year was pretty inconsistent. Now, they do get Calvin Ridley, all right? They do have Mr. Sunshine himself and T-Law. But I think there's a small chance that maybe Houston can compete for the AFC South this year and maybe win the division. But overall... I think a lot of people are really sleeping on the Houston Texans, man. Like, I don't know if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan and you're rooting for Houston to suck because you want the second overall pick in next year's draft. But I don't think Houston's going to be bad enough for you to be in a position to have a top three pick or maybe top five pick. At worst, I think Houston probably is going to give Arizona a top ten selection next year. At worst. But many of you guys are sleeping on the Houston Texans, man. Like, some of you guys think that Texans fans are tripping for having expectations of winning six to nine games. That is not unrealistic. That are That is pretty fair expectations for what the Houston Texans are bringing in to this season. This team is way better than what a lot of you guys are giving it credit for. And be honest, bro, how many of you guys were actually watching the Houston Texans last year? Because I wasn't. And I had Damian Pierce on my fantasy football squad. So, I mean, if I barely was watching the Houston Texans, I doubt you was watching the Houston Texans, bro. 
Because you don't even know how good Jalen Petrie was. Jalen Petrie was better than Jaquan Brisker, who many people say was the best rookie safety last year. And yet, Jalen Petrie led Houston in tackles and interceptions. He's literally the best player on their defense. And this guy was a rookie last season. And you're giving this man to the Miko Ryans? You're giving to Miko Ryans Jalen Petrie, bruh? Hey, man, it's okay. Y'all, y'all keep sleeping on the Texans. But when they come and they wake y'all up, you're going to come back. You're going to say, damn, JT, like, this aged very well. Just like how you did when I said the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to win the AFC South last year. Come on, man. Y'all got to stop sleeping on the Texans, bro. The Texans are about to wake y'all up. And if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan and you're assuming that you're going to have a top three pick because Houston's going to be bad, you're going to be really disappointed. Really disappointed. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate all you guys for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel. We go live Monday through Friday, every day at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure that you also rate us five stars. The JT Sports Podcast is available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. The JT Sports Podcast is available. Give us a five-star review, man. Like, if you love the content, you love the channel, and you say you support me like you do, Go ahead and give us a five-star review, brother. Like, we need that, man. It's not that hard to find the JT Sports Podcast, man. If you're listening to podcasts, there's no reason why you shouldn't have the JT Sports Podcast and your podcast feed, man. Go ahead. Check that bad boy out. Even if you don't listen to podcasts, man, y'all be asking, how can I support the channel? Give us a five-star review, brother. It's free. Share the podcast, man. Like, sharing is caring. When you have something that you like, you don't be greedy and keep it all for yourself, man. You got to share the wealth. You got to share the joy, man. Share the JT Sports Podcast with friends that you know who enjoy football. Share the podcast with family members who love hearing about football. Just share the love, man. I appreciate you guys for tuning in, man. Good show. I appreciate it, Juan Gotti talking sports, man. Sam in for a hurt. Hey, man, I think Sam Howell could be really good, man. I think Sam Howell legitimately has a shot at winning MVP this year, even though he's a dark horse candidate too. But if Eric Bieniemy is as good as a coach as many people believe him to be, Sam Howell should have a really fantastic season, and the commanders should make it to the postseason. Like, Juan Gotti, let me tell you something, man. So, you know how you can bet on the over-under win totals. I saw Colorado at over-under three wins. I took the over. I saw the Washington Commanders over-under six wins. I took the over for six wins in a heartbeat, man. Like, there's no reason why the Commanders should miss the playoffs if Eric Bieniemy is as good as a head coach or if he's as good of a coach as we believe him to be. I mean, Washington nearly made it to the playoffs last year with Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz at QB. They had elite defense. Their defense is probably going to remain elite under Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. All they really need is to have a somewhat competent offense, and that's why Eric Enemy is there. If Eric Enemy ends up not working out and this offense is bad, then I guess we know that Eric Enemy is not head coach material. But I appreciate you guys for tuning in to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode of JT Sports Live, 5 p.m. Eastern Time.